is the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who's I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking resources. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Just the four of us this week. I did think about uh, inviting others on, but it's been a while since it's been just the four of us, whether it's uh, Evo, Rubes, uh, Connor, Sean sneaking on. So keep it just the four of us today. Did nearly have to get a replacement. Uh, Alex nearly called him one of his many sick days for the podcast. <laughs> I'm actually impressed, uh, Alex, because usually if you're going to call in sick for the podcast, you say you've lost your voice, which seems to happen three to five times a year. Ironically, ironically, I did start to lose it partway through today, but I haven't had to talk much the rest of the afternoon, so it's given it time. There we go. I will say we, <laughs> we've got one of my favourite ever News of the Week headlines this week, which we'll get into. Um, <laughs> also on the agenda... How will Meza Ertzil be remembered at Arsenal? A little reflection on Bielsa's leads. Um, we'll talk a bit about Spurs versus Marine, but may- mainly just uh, other mismatches we remember seeing. And then me and TK will close the show with our Super Bowl predictions. I say me and TK, I mean, Alex and Jack are welcome to join if they have Super Bowl predictions. But if not, me and TK will do the business. So then, news of the week taxi driver in Taiwan offers free rides in return for singing karaoke with him. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering how that, st- that statement's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your go-to uh, karaoke, Jack? Um, Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles. <laughs> Just because it's hilarious and I know all the words. I do remember doing... Uh, Blue Dada D on karaoke with my brother in Ballyhoo, if you want to throw that. Ballyhoo, wow. Yeah. Wow. What's your go-to, Alex? I'm going to predict Coldplay. Uh, uh, do you know what? I, I, I once spent a New Year's Eve listening to a shocking rendition of the entire soundtrack of High School Musical, which was scary, to say the least. Like my brothers watched them as kids. I was about so, to say your brother. Yeah, but, but I bizarrely, uh, the the main one 
uh, we're breaking free with Soren. I don't, I don't know what it's called. Maybe, maybe that one. Free. Yeah, bit of a duet. So, was this your brother spent a New Year's Eve doing? Uh... No, it wasn't. It wasn't this time. But he has got that in his locker, and he does know all the songs. Yeah, we'll we'll cut that out and say it was him that did it. <laughs> um, TK, um, let me. I think I know yours. Go on, and it's and it's gone from my head. So you might have to tell me. Sweet so Caroline. No, in my no. in my head, I had some might say by Oasis, but that would be an off-key one. Yeah, to be honest, I've got I've got a few in the locker. Really, a few Oasis numbers. Pretty much any Oasis you can throw on. Um, oh what a night late December back in 63 <laughs> and uh, I do also happen to know, well what I did at one point I'm not sure know all the words to the song American Pie which considering it's about an 8 minute song <laughs> is uh, some going but that wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a karaoke number I don't think too long I do remember a lunchtime with um, Langston Disrespect in uh, September which would be a great little karaoke number that is a, an all-time great. Um, a photographer secretly snapped strangers' text messages and turned them into art. Isn't that what it takes these days? Just call it art. <laughs> any any other vicinity, you, you, you sneak pictures of people's text messages over their shoulders. You're a creep. Yeah. But this guy calls it art and people love it. Pizza Hut rolls out a new stuffed crust, minus the pizza. <laughs> they're, they're selling just stuffed crusts. So it's just, is it just the ring? Is it comes in a box? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they sell them the first 50 orders of the day in America at the moment, get them free. And after that, you can pay a couple of dollars for literally just a stuffed crust. Oh, that, um, that's not bad that's not, it's I think quite... they probably overstocked for Christmas and this is a nice way to get rid of them yeah the best stuffed crust they ever did was they did um, hot dog stuffed crust with um, cheese around it. American mustard in there with a uh, little frankfurter sausage it, it was beautiful the, the problem is with that is that the crust then becomes a meal in itself yeah I can never get stuffed crust because then I miss out on pizza. And, and you have to pay about an extra three quid for it. Yeah, it's true. Papa John's stuffed crust is the, is the worst ever. Papa John's, I always say, you get it for the sides rather than the pizza. Their um, cheese, six cheese tater tots are sensational. And they also did pigs with blankets over Christmas, which is a selling point in itself. But it, it, it's like um, putting rubber in the crust, their stuffed crust. It's mental. Mm. Um. Be- you know we like our animal news here so uh <laughs> beardsley zoo mourns the death of the zoo's first mayor wiggles the chinchilla callisto the leopard will now step into the role as mayor <laughs> <laughs> that's beardsley zoo did they say how the chinchilla died I, think, I, mean, it, I don't think it was suspicious causes the, the leopard <laughs> crept, crept in and yeah, the leopard just took it out, took the throne. Um, Portland attempted murder suspect escapes after the cleaning crew leaves the holding room door unlocked. 
fantastic. Your lucky day if that's happening. I've always thought if there was, unless I'm in there for for doing a live bid, which hopefully I'm not in that situation. If, if people start escaping prison, I'm saying I'm I'm staying put. I can't live a life on the run. You could, you really can, could you? I'll take me extra. I'll take me a couple of years. Hopefully, they take a couple of years off. That's the only thing. They don't seem to praise you for staying put when there's a breakout in prison. From what I gather, which they should. <laughs> <laughs> there we go um, woman clings to the hood of speeding car to try and stop the theft of a $10,000 puppy in Texas how long do you think you're lasting on the hood of a car Jack to save your dog oh as long as it takes I am literally on the hood of that car <laughs> as long as it takes insinuates that it's your choice <laughs> well it's not really my choice but if I have to stay on there for 10 years, <laughs> 10 years right? I'm doing a side to side flinging you off uh, yeah, I would literally be sacrificing my life for my dog how, how, were you good on one of them uh, bucking bronco things the, the problem is is that I did it when I was younger and then there is absolutely no way that an adult gets on one and doesn't look like a complete twat <laughs> so, I don't know if I've the, told you the story of me on uh, one of these at Car Country well, before I was going to say, the only places they have them now within clubs, really. So, <laughs> you want to look like a complete twat in front of everyone is in a club in Gloucester. So, I remember they had a surfboard one at one of the unis when my mates went to uni. That was bad enough. Well, they had, they had the one at Car Country, didn't they? Um, and there was a, a queue in a crowd due to the fact that I couldn't get on. You know, the usual like jump to try and get on. I just could not get on. And you can't just turn back at that stage. But I've always said I shrink when I jump. And literally, I think uh, one of my brothers had to come and do take a crouch down for me to have a little boost on there. Yeah. Only only to come off about five seconds later. That's amazing. It's like when you're ladies that need a leg up and you're going to like ride a side saddle. Exactly, nightmare. Um, appeal for the owner of hamster caught in Mission Impossible style sweet shop heist. <laughs> what? So this hamster was in, like a in whatever like flat above or next door, and they say quite literally Mission Impossible style, like through the vents to get into this sweet shop, and then it uh, helped itself. Um. Fishermen saved naked fugitive from crocodile-infested waters in Australia. I don't know why the fugitive was naked, or but <laughs> if you break out and go all that way and then you end up in crocodile-infested waters, you've just got to take your fate, I think. But the thing is, as well, if it's Australia, that I'm kind of taking that all water is crocodile-infested. Yeah. Agreed. Just, so, all all, all inter... All interior water is all, all interior of the uh, of the uh, all interior water like rivers and stuff is crocodile infested and all exterior the ocean is shark infested. Yeah, yeah stay like, the hell out of there. It's like the crypts and the bloods. Like you have that <laughs> I'd famously be a crip. Who would win, a shark or a crocodile? Uh. Depends on the it depends. Shark. It de- te- 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 depends on the shark. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah like you, get an average you, size. 
Say you could get like a crocodile sized shark versus a crocodile, who wins? Crocodile crocodile wins. Oh back in the croc. I don't know. It depends on the terrain as well. If it's a, a little river or if it's an ocean or something. Maybe they do home in a way. The croc <laughs> win. <laughs> I don't know. You put a croc in the ocean and I think it struggles. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> He's out of his depth. Yeah. You're saying a croc doesn't like you you're saying a croc doesn't like an away day. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. Does it, does Can it, you do it on a Yeah. The crocs don't travel it? well. <laughs> it's it's well known. Um Wedding goes off script when the groom runs away and the bride decides to wed one of the guests instead. <laughs> That's brilliant. You'll That's do. <laughs> Fair play to the guest. He didn't know what he was getting into that day. <laughs> she must be pretty fit if that's the case. Cause if there's a family it... friend, then he's sorted. He's got all his mates there and everything. Is it that couple from... Uh, is it like similar to that couple from... Uh, 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 Love Actually, the guy, the cameraman. Right, like, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Straight in there. <laughs> Teacher loses job after telling bullied student he does genuinely look like a slice of Billy Bear ham. <laughs> that's amazing. Again, that's just realism, though, because if he does, he's preparing a job for life that. because. Like it's not. It's only gonna, if he does look like Billy Bear Ham, life is only <laughs> going to get more difficult as he goes on. It's not going to get uh, easier. So he's just being prepared, really. Um, there's a pandemic sperm shortage in American fertility centres, and sperm king mega donors are high in demand. <laughs> if I found a job when I uh, lost mine last year, I could be in the money. Sperm king. <laughs> Hard day's work, that would be crikey. <laughs> Denmark debuts new children's TV show about a man with a huge and uncontrollable penis. I've seen this. Weird. What? I didn't click on it because I didn't really You want respect to news in a week too much. Well, yeah, that as well. I did. There's been a lot of Florida Man stuff as well, which I didn't click on. <laughs> came up. Did you... Um... See that RJ Burger show when that was on TV? Unreal, that was. The what? It's called The Hard Times of RJ Burger. It was like that um, phase where like, MTV made their own kind of like uh, American Pie type TV shows, but it, it was, a, it was a, a kid who was at school and his big affliction was that his dick was too big, basically, and it was a struggle <laughs> living with it. And then, Jesus. Uh, Pulls the girl of his dreams and all, all sorts, but there was a cliffhanger. He knocks up this bird accidentally, and uh, they never renewed the show, so ends there. <laughs> Langston knows about it. Um, man died at US Capitol after accidentally tasering himself and having a heart attack. This was a Florida man, wasn't it? Or was it a Florida man that nicked the podium, the speaker's podium? It could have been either. Could have both been a Florida man, to be honest. That is true. Um, what a way to go. Like, yeah. And the fact that everyone will find his death hilarious. I was going to say, as he's dying, he's thinking, did anyone notice how this happened? Please tell me no one noticed how this happened. Um, Stalin-themed cafe in Moscow is closed after public outcry. Snowflakes. 
Film festival is set. There's a film festival sending someone to a lighthouse on a remote Swedish island to watch 60 movies in one week. Feels like us on the pod on Thursday. Is it Shayla Bow? Is it is it Shayla Bow again? No, he filmed himself watching a film, didn't he? Yeah, but I said, is he doing something else like it? Um. Northumbria police thought they'd found a woman's body, but it turned out to just be a large potato. Vianetta, <laughs> um, the fanciest dessert of the 90s, is making a big comeback. Oh, my brother will be pleased. Like it's Mike Tyson coming back. I feel like Vianetta is the most overrated dessert. Wow. Like, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you, Jack. And Give me a clip of Vianetta hitting the pads and I'll be all in. <laughs> the only thing that Vianetta really reminds me of, there's a section on Soccer M called Mendietta's Vianetta. If you remember, back in the day of Tim Lovejoy, <laughs> talking decades ago. Take us back. Great times. I'd say Rushton over Lovejoy and I say that with my chest. Yeah, I agree with you. Max Rushton, I think it's really underrated. Good guy. Um, public schoolboy dropped 97 heroin wraps from buttocks when stopped by police. 97? That's a capacity, that. Yeah. <laughs> 97 heroin wraps on six, on six scotch eggs. <laughs> he kept them within the scotch eggs. That's how, that's how talented he was. I think we could have just influenced a whole new generation of drug dealers here. Put it in your scotch eggs. If, if anybody needs advice on things they can fit up their ass, this, these pods seem to be a perfect place. We seem to have had everything. And we've got just the man, Alex. Thankfully, you could be here today. <laughs> Finally, this headline did make me feel a bit sick. Um, Vietnamese doctor finds dozens of mushrooms growing in patients' ear. Oh, I did say, well, right. So mushrooms, as a kid, mushrooms was, like my uncle decided it was a good idea to tell me one day that if you eat mushrooms, they grow on you. And so I had this thing where I was nervous to eat mushrooms pretty much until my adult, like until until adulthood, I've been nervous to eat them. I don't know why people like that. But now you just told me that. And, and, now, and now you make me think it's possible. Yeah, that's vile. Truly vile. So there we go, and as you need it a week. Stunning. Busy week again. It's disappointing when I go to get it and you have some of these garbage weeks, so thankfully we got some good ones this week. So all but confirmed now that Mesut Ozil will be leaving Arsenal this January. It looks like it's going to be a six-month loan to Fenerbahce with Arsenal subsidising some of his wages and then it'll be made he'll also sign a contract that will start in the summer three and a half year deal with Fenerbahce where they'll be subsidising obviously his uh, whole contract the rumour is that it's going to be uh, funded by Puma and some other rich businessmen over there in Turkey Um, I know that Ertzel is best mates with um, 
Erdogan over there, if that's how you pronounce it. So I'm sure he's got some influence. He was the best man at his wedding, so that's not even just a thing about him cozying up to him. So it doesn't like he's going. Maybe there weren't as many offers on the table as he expected. It came down to DC United and Fenerbahce. So looks like it's going to be a matter of time for that goes through. He's doing a Q&A on Twitter right now where it was expected he was going to announce it, but he's been asked... What do you think of Fenerbahce? And he said, I grew up as a Fenerbahce fan as a kid in Germany. Every German-Turkish person supports a Turkish team. Mine was Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce is like Real Madrid in Spain, the biggest club in the country. So, it's not confirmed yet, but his brother's put on his Instagram that it's confirmed. He's in Turkey at the moment. So, all but done. We've seen a lot of things in probably the last couple of months, you'd say, when it comes to Ötzel and his legacy at Arsenal. If you go by some pundits, he's still a world beater now and it's mental that he was ever dropped from the squad. <laughs> Meanwhile, they were <laughs> cursing him whilst he was playing. So make your mind up about that. But big question here, how will Mesut Ozil be remembered at Arsenal? Arteta was asked in his press conference today about him and if he leaves this summer, does that mean, if he leaves this window, does, does that mean that he's going to be looked upon uh, differently and he said his legacy is unquestionable but didn't obviously go into details about <laughs> what he thinks that legacy is he joined for 42 million in 2013 TK I know you've been a uh, avid critic of Mesut how do you think he'll be remembered at Arsenal and how should he be remembered at Arsenal yeah see I, I don't know if I want to be overly critical of him it's, it's more kind of, I know what he can do and what he's so, in my view, kind of rarely done is, is the issue. Um, I think we spoke about it on the hit and miss pod of Arsenal. Didn't yeah. We? That I felt there's obviously been a good period of his Arsenal career and, and a pretty significant bad one. It's whether that bad one has gone on long enough that it taints how he's viewed. To me, it has a little bit. I can't kind of overlook this. Yeah. And I think the the peak wasn't long enough for me to, to not be able to see that. Um, so I think he will be seen as someone who did well but probably could have done so much more so not legend status like some will say no I can't I can't make the case for it I mean to be honest I can't have his Arsenal legacy as better than Alexis Sanchez's for example for me no no but say the Arsenal legends you're looking at like Tony Adams Thierry Henry that kind of thing and then you've probably got that here slightly below that where you've got your Perez's, your Lombards and that kind of thing. Sure. And then below that you've probably got your Ray Parlers and that kind of level. Do you reckon he's in if you had one, two, three, four top tier at Arsenal, where would you say that his legacy would come in? Probably below that. Because I'd I'd have probably Ramsey just a, a little bit above him. I think he contributed more. That seemed to yeah. have divided opinion with some Arsenal fans. That um, no, no. So that's yeah. I'd have him a little bit below that. It's not. I mean, that's not a bad place to be. No, in. no. It's just you could have won for any more talent than he had, and it just I, we probably should have been having a different, com- different conversation about this. I said before, 40- it's not like this isn't a vintage Arsenal team, and he can't get in the squad. No. That's not a great sign. Forty-two million he joined for in twenty thirteen is probably the most excited I've been <laughs> on a deadline day 
because the rumours kind of popped up the night before by the ITK accounts that are very hit and miss, even more so back then, um, your dad being one of the early ones. Um <laughs> And then when it came to the morning, you kind of realised that this was actually a thing. Um, Spurs had lost... Was it that Sunday lost bail? It was, wasn't it? Because they had the deal where Spurs had essentially said, don't sell any players to Arsenal. Yes. And they they snuck Ertzel in. Um, (laughs) That's a great story. Yeah. There's the scenes of people going mental outside the Emirates, riots in the streets, jumping on cars <laughs> and all sorts. So I remember the excitement being there. Um, I think he got two assists on his debut and could have been about five more if Theo Walcott had finished his dinner, which he could extend a bit further. <laughs> five, assi- five goals, 10 assists in his first Premier League campaign. He played 26 games and we won the FA Cup that year too. A lot of people do tie in Ertzel joining and Arsenal ending their eight-year trophy drought. I do think it's quite generous to him. I don't remember much about Ertzel in that final in 2013-14. It was the Cazorla Ramsey's probably who you're looking to. Yeah, I firmly agree. But he, he, his, his peak of his career, probably the peak, his Arsenal career and the peak of his career in general, was 15-16, which I think some said on here before that I was perhaps overstating this. I, I do think it's one of the highest seasons I've seen a, a player have in certainly the last six, seven years in the, in the Premier League. Six goals, 19 assists. Giroud scored 16 times before January and then didn't score again. <laughs> he started every single game that season. That's crazy. So really, that was, if we'd won the Premier League that year, which we should have done, he would have led us really to the Premier League. But these are the margins when you look at kind of legend statuses. I know they're different players, but Javier and Henri probably do drag you over the line there. Whereas I don't think anyone was under any illusions that Ertzel isn't going to be that guy that is going to drag you over the line. I think I think when I think of him, I think if you take away the weight of the transfer, if you get about the fee, you forget about the club he came from, and you just think about him as an individual player at your club, you know, you don't think about when you think of some of the greats of well, in any club of the sort of the eras of Thierry Henry and Bergkamp, you don't really think about their transfer too much. You don't think about their fee. If you take away that initial that excitement of getting Urzil, and you could take away the the fee. I mean, forty five million, like just forty five million. Forty two, for yeah. Forty two million, which isn't even that much in today's money. I mean, think it how much a lot for us. Then, for so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you take away, if you take away the hype around the transfers that there is these days, I don't think. I think you're right. You you don't put him in the top echelons of you know, your your greats at all. I think he's I mean, you know, to a certain extent, put a twist on it like this. Who would you have Arteta up there? Or would you have Arteta remembered in the same level as him as a player? No, Forget him as no, a, no. Would you not? 
Nah. Arteta, Arteta was a, a good a good player for us who the fans liked largely because he was a bit different to what he usually had and he came in at a time when uh, we weren't really sure what, what we were playing for. Ertzil is one where you can enjoy you can enjoy watching him play even in the times when he was coming in over the last couple of years um you'd usually in an attacking sense enjoy watching him play he's the type of player and we've spoken about this previously where you'd pay your entrance fee to come in and see him when he's on his day which for sure i agree with tk um, i feel maybe a bit defensive about him here because i think it's a bit harsh the way he's spoken about, but then I also then see the way that some people talk about it in the other way, and it's ridiculous. I know what you said about the the fee, Alex. I don't think the fee was ever really held against him. The, the no, no, point, I, I, no, no, I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. I meant in terms of it was a big player with a big yeah. transfer fee, like not not a not a crazy ridiculous fee. I mean, I think remember at the time it wasn't deemed as like a, you were like overpaying or it was a ridiculous fee. I, yeah. I I thought it was swaying more towards the time of that's the right money for the right player mm. kind of cost. Yeah. Like but, I meant it in terms of the weight of the like obviously the the drama and the hype behind transfers has gone un, up and up and up over the last ten years. So if you if you just take that element away from it, then I, I think you look at him in a. I think it takes you, you don't look at him as I strongly as one of the top players. His contract is the turning point because there was a certain stage where if he wasn't tracking back, if he wasn't putting the shift in, and I know the numbers show that he does put a shift in, but I think it was on that hit and miss pod TK where we said those numbers are very deceiving, and I likened it to when I played house rugby where. You'd see me running, but I was doing my best to be on the opposite side to where the ball was. <laughs> yeah. And you can you can be in the same vicinity as uh, the challenge, but you don't necessarily dip your head in there with it. So a lot of these things. But when you get that 350 grand a week contract, when Alexis Sanchez has left and people are looking at you, and when you look at kind of the way he is spoken about by people within the game, you do expect a lot more, even if that's not what he's in there for. I think when you get paid that amount of money as well, because obviously it was the case of Sanchez leaving, <clears throat> you didn't want the embarrassment of losing both. So you kind of buckle to his demands. And I think the problem with those, if you're being paid £350,000 a week, yeah. you're on a pedestal. It's as simple as that. Because not only do you have to deliver... But if you don't deliver, the fans will see you as the reason why they're not spending money on new players that can make the team better. Fans turned on him very quickly as well. Exactly. And I think if if he'd gone on to, say, a more average contract for a good player of, say, around £180,000, grand a week, even then I don't think you'd be getting the same heat. And the, the problem is, is that he signed a contract that he was offered. This yeah, what, yeah, for sure. This is, this is what's tarnished his legacy. It's not so much his playing, it's the fact that he's on the money he's on. Because well, it means there's the stories that stuff. come out, obviously. Ramsey said that such so used to be let off training when it wasn't, um, the conditions <laughs> didn't suit him. Uh, he, he famously would have a bad back every time we had a rainy away game. If you 
I think I put it in our chat, after we lost the um, Europa League semi-final in Wenger's last season in charge to Atletico Madrid, and Keown really went in on him. And this was just around the time when uh, mental health um, was kind of put in the bracket of any conversation. I mean, you, you mentioned it, and it was like, that's kind of off limits now. You can't say a lot. And Keown did say, look, I guarantee you he'll have a bad back in a week. He'll have something that's upsetting him. He'll have something where he doesn't fancy turning up. And he said, I just think you look through his career and I think Arsene Wenger deserves a bit more from the people that he has put so much into. And Ertzel being one of them, there's a Alexa in Wenger's autobiography where he says Ertzel's a painter and you can't shout at Ertzel because that'll disturb his art and this kind of thing. And I think that, to be honest, I think that's where probably why I started losing a bit of faith. There's all those away games where he's ill or had a back yeah. issue or whatever. I just thought there's kind of we know there's certain luxury players that you've kind of got to cater for, and there, but there's a line, isn't there? We, you know, we've seen it with um, in basketball with the Clippers with yeah. you know, supposedly Kawhi and Paul George, haven't we? Where they had so much freedom, you thought this must have a bad effect on the rest of the team. They can't look at that and, and think anything of it. And, I guess my issue as well is I was I was never expecting something from him that he couldn't do. Like you know, some people say about yeah. trap trap back get stuck in. I kind of know he's not that guy. That's all right. I, I just wanted more of what he's good at more often. This didn't yeah. dispute the the fifteen sixteen season for example, which you are right. He he hit a certain level that few players can, and I think it's a season that ages well actually. When you look at the nineteen assists, that looks ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. So. I do think that's going to age well as well. And I do also think, as much as we're having this conversation, his absence this year has actually kind of done wonders for him in the eyes of many, admittedly yeah. a certain <laughs> section of Arsenal fans. But nothing seems to... Uh, he, he's got a... There's parallels with him and Pogba. I, I don't want to... I think he's had a far better career at Arsenal than Pogba's had so far at United. But they both seem to, in their absence, become such better players yeah, than yeah. when you watch him. He's got the best PR team in the league. In, yeah, in world football, I would say it's insane. Yeah, just the little things he drops and all sorts. The, the Gunasaurus, I'll pay his wages and all this kind of thing. Well, the he, thing with sorry, the thing with Smith Road the other day with the tweet where he's you know obviously <clears throat> subtweeting Arsenal, wasn't he saying yeah, what what look what can happen when you've got a creative number ten in there. On the flip side of that, he's saying this kid is doing my job and better than I was. And yeah, he's very you know you're really going against yourself there as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's shameless. I hope. I, I think it would have been nice for him to get the send off. I mean, far lesser players have ha- have had a send off, and the turning point really is obviously Wenger leaving. Wenger left, and since Wenger left, he, he's made forty two appearances in three years for Arsenal. Um, when when you look before that, I mean, four FA Cups he's officially won since in his uh, time at Arsenal. Three that he played in. Um, two community shields, you know, we count these on this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> um, the best performances for me are I narrowed it down to three, and that was if you remember when we played Man United in 15 16, um, we blitzed them in the first 20. Um, Alexis scored a peach, um, Ertzel got an assist to Theo, and he scored himself. Um, against Bayern Munich, where we had to beat them to stay in the group, would go through to. 
the next round. He, he ran the show that day, and he actually it's the best defensive work I've ever seen from him. <laughs> and the other one, um, the FA Cup final against Chelsea in 17-18, I thought he was brilliant there as well. But obviously just, just not enough. The, the big games maybe haven't been so much the issue with him. It's been, he doesn't fancy these smaller games. Giroud told a story, actually, um, after they won the World Cup, um, after he won the World Cup with France. And he spoke about Ertzel at training when he was asked about him. And this was after he'd just been put out of the squad by Unai Emery. And he said that if Ertzel lost in training or if he had a bad day in training or if um, he didn't fancy training that day or whatever, he said Ertzel would literally shush people at the training ground and say, I'm the world champion. Jesus. The thing is, you win a World Cup and see what you end up doing. Like, I would be doing that 100%. And you do that as a Chelsea fan over the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Phillips style. <clears throat> look at me, look at me. Well, it was an interview in French, so I can't even really see the kind of context here whether he's kind of whether it's was laughing. I'm sure he isn't like a particularly like aggressive bloke, so I can't imagine him. But he certainly Giroud says in the interview that it stuck with him. And he said he was jealous of him every single day at training because he said, I want to be able to do that. And so he said, I wonder now, now I've won the World Cup. If I can say, you know, I don't fancy doing this today, oh, I'm, I'm a World Cup winner. I'm not sure Giroud has that uh, <laughs> lenience, but it's a, it's a nice thought for him, I'm sure. <laughs> I do agree with you. It would have been nice for him to get a better send-off as well. And, and I, I know we spoke about it when it happened, but not registering for this year. I know he's, I know they wanted rid of him, but they should have, you either get rid of him in the summer or if you don't, yeah. keep him and, and at some point probably get him involved. I don't, I don't think he would have fixed your problems this year, to be honest, but I we think did a pod on the day we confirmed, didn't we? And I, and I said that I think they thought that it would go away when yeah, they just yeah. didn't register him and yeah. it actually had the complete opposite effect. Shameless. Like, like 50 grand a week hold. Paul Merson coming out and saying, I just don't know how he's not in that team at the moment, was the worst. <laughs> and Jamie Redknapp, because he was one of the worst about him as well. I'm pretty sure Kieran even dug in. Um, they asked, obviously asked Arteta, and he said, look, if I thought that he, he, he would change anything for us now, then he'd be in the squad. That's all I can tell you, so. Yeah. There we go. So, well, essentially, uh-huh. he'll be remembered as a good player it's probably going to be in time, isn't it? It's going to help him when people go back and they look at numbers and they look at things like that. You that go back and you watch particular, particular games. Yeah, that, that, that one season is, is what I'll remember him fondly for his link up with Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. I think he peaked. I think he peaked with that uh, chewing gum flick down <laughs> and then back up into the that mouth and the wing. So something I was going to say before we move on, um, I know you said about luxury players, TK, and you've never heard that said so much when until it comes to Ertzil. <laughs> I think, as Arsenal fans, when you look at what you'd call our luxury players through the years, it probably goes against Ertzil because you look at the likes of Cazorla, Alexi Sanchez, and your luxury players there, who you maybe give that bit of lenience to. Um, those are the type of players that would do the complete opposite to Ertzil. 
and Alexi Sanchez was fuming if he was subbed off in a cup tie against Stockport rather than being mm. fuming he missed the away game and Cazorla being a lot smaller, being probably just as technically gifted, but he didn't shy away either. So I think it goes against Urzel in that sense where you've had players who probably could have taken the luxury before and uh, they didn't. Yeah, that, that's kind of it, isn't it? With the sort of the freedoms he's being afforded, there's players of a similar quality or better that are going above and beyond and working their socks off. So his kind of it kind of falls in on itself, doesn't it? Yeah, I do agree. Like, Ramsey's Ramsey's legacy is better. I think on paper, Ertz is better than Cazorla's, but I'll probably I think Cazorla will, will be remembered more fondly, even if uh, the paperwork doesn't quite match up. Like you said, it's he showed a different sort of attitude, didn't he, Cazorla, that you could, I thought, I think everybody could like, whereas I think Ozil is a, a little bit more Marmite, isn't it? Yeah, Wenger would give him that kind of lenience, but uh, Unai Emery very quickly tried to put a system in place that didn't allow for that, and mm. uh, we won't have any either. Cheltenham have just drawn Man City at home, by the way. Oh, as if, I've got the uh, draw on that one behind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, there we go. All right. If we move on then to another contentious topic, and that is Marcelo Bielsa's leads. Now, they started off very fondly spoken about. I think all the commentators now have a hard job uh, taking them out of their mouths when uh, they talk about them. They were 6-2 down to Man United, and they were still saying about how beautiful they were. Um, to put some stats to that, they're 12th in the league currently. Played 17, won 7, drawn 2, lost 8. Scored 30 goals, conceded 33. And obviously have just gone out of the league, uh, the FA Cup. So, Jack, if we go to you first, um, how do you look at Bielsa's lead side? United, Liverpool. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, Jack, um, how do you uh, react? Look, it's great when you play them because from a Chelsea perspective, they're the only newly promoted slash bottom um, table, bottom half the table side that aren't just going to sit in. And that's what the pundits love. They love to see a team having a go. Whether they survive or not is a completely different thing. Like, I've seen Bielsa... His attention to detail, don't get me wrong, it sounds amazing. But if you're going to play that open and not alter your style at all and you play the bigger teams that will pick you off, like when they played United in that 6-2 game, they played Dan James because they knew there was just going to be space. They don't want anyone good, they want someone fast. And that's what they did with Dan James. And you would have thought that they were just tailored it to... We know how United want to play. They want to play on the break. So you're not going to push everyone forward and leave yourself completely exposed to their pace. And they did it anyway. So I don't... I understand it's refreshing to see a team come up. And I, I watch back old games from, say, I don't know, between 2003 and 2010, like before then. And the games were so much more open. It was crazy. You don't get the low block that you get these days. I think... Chelsea 2012 were like the harbingers of that apocalypse where if, it's, if a team's not going to match you going forward, we will just stick everyone behind the ball and hope for the best. 
No. Um, so it's refreshing in that sense, yeah. But Harbinger's great manager? word, guys. No. I don't think it does. I don't think it makes them a good manager at all. I think it just makes them entertaining to watch. In the same way that you used to tune in to watch Liverpool versus the smaller teams. A couple Spurs of- in these easy draws. Wickham away. That's a tough game. Mike Dean will be happy. His two favourite We teams. got Southampton away. That's Sick an easy it. game. Every single time Spurs and City get the easiest possible draws in the competition. What are you on about? What are you, you on about? If you care to delve into uh, Jose's record for draws, it's, um, it's not overly surprising he picks up the domestic trophies. <laughs> Horrific. Oh, yeah. Well, the best team Chelsea can get left is Leicester, so I wouldn't be too worried if I was Jack either. <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal and Liverpool will take out all the big boys. Hey, you could get Shrewsbury. Chelsea at home against Luton, of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. Um, back, back to Leeds there now. Uh, that, that fume has just gone through me. Um Cut me off, mate. Don't worry, I don't mind. I thought you'd <laughs> want to know uh, the Spurs draw. I was caught up after you'd said harbingers. Great word, that is. A word that can only be followed by apocalypse. You're never going to use it for <laughs> anything else. Yeah, that is true. So the, the lead seemingly got like an unlimited amount of credit in the bank for losing 4-3 to Liverpool. <laughs> that's really what happened is they, they lost that game it was a great game to watch and then from there on commentators have just refused to acknowledge anything negative really with them uh, they drew with Man City I thought that was a good game the commentators made out you were watching a Classico with uh, Ronaldinho back in the day saying about how great it was um, the thing with Sorry. that, I thought, I thought it kind of encapsulated my issue with Bielsa is that game was like watching a kid's game in terms of it just went end-to-end. And as yeah. entertaining as that is, I'm not sure there's quite the tactical genius in that. It's, it's kind of being proposed. No. And as far as I see, a lot of... I'm not saying there's, there's no sort of uh, tactics involved in this, because obviously there is, but there is also a fair amount of run your bollocks off and then run a little bit more. It's not overly scientific with that. It kind of, I remember with the Liverpool game, they got some praise that like um, that they pressed no matter when they will follow it. So, for example, the left back went from pressing against us having a throw in to basically almost at top for them pressing. It, well, that is that's going to be problematic. Surely that's not that is going to cause some issues at the back. So, I, I like watching them; they're great fun. But I'm not quite sure they're great evidence of how. Not tactically genius, he is. Uh, Different different levels, of course, and I I wouldn't suggest otherwise. But you look at, um, say, Wenger's Arsenal, Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool, routinely criticised when it went wrong for only ever playing one way and not really having the capacity to mix it up. And I don't know if I've seen some suggest that, look, they beat the teams they should beat and then they go against these big sides like they've got a free hit. But it doesn't really look like that to me. It looks like, as you said, <laughs> we've got one way of playing. We'll, we'll, we won't compromise that for anyone and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And 
it's only going to get harder as the season goes on. And there's a reason that I know this country seems to have called Bielsa a genius. I know Pep's had his uh, fingers in that, but no one else in other countries have kind of suggested that. They, they kind of marvel at the character that he is and the football that he plays for a period of time and then recognise that it doesn't last very long. So I'd imagine it will go a similar way here. The one thing I will say in his defence, I mean, looking at the results, especially from the newly promoted teams who've come up with Leeds, they've won more than twice the amount of games than Fulham and West Brom have combined. So there They've is got an identical in... record with Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> we is... just, uh, we have a plus goal difference and uh, they don't. The, the thing plus, is, well, plus if, one, if they, by the way. <laughs> if they stay up, then it's all been worth it as well, hasn't it? Because they've been entertaining and they've stayed up. So you can't, presumably, that was the MO at the start of the season. The way, and we say it a lot with Liverpool um, on this, particularly when we have certain guests on this podcast um, and Jack, but the fans don't help their case because they've adopted this us against them mentality when before the season, I don't think anyone cared about Leeds as much as Leeds fans thought they did and then on top of that when things were going well they were saying look our, our rivals are like the top eight teams they're not anywhere near the bottom here so it's whether they change their expectations it'd be interesting to know what the board have said to them and when I you think- put the money in that they have that comes with a bit more pressure as well yeah and I think Assuming they do stay up and maybe even if they establish themselves in mid-table, I think the following year, expectations grow. And if they can't fulfil those, it's different. You said about old Arsenal teams, Liverpool teams getting criticised, but that is because there's an expectation there that they achieve yeah. something. At this point with Leeds, fairly low. But over time, they're, you know, they already think they are a big club. They are a decent-sized club, so they're going to have higher expectations pretty quickly. The thing you said about the fans there is the old, uh, the old Spurs technique, isn't it? Where you're... Uh, you tell everyone you're a massive club for ages and then when you get on the top table, you tell everyone, oh, I don't know how we're here with a plucky underdog. So it's, uh, which one are you in? I guess you'll, uh, they'll eventually have to find out. Yeah, I'm yet to see a Leeds fan on Twitter that I particularly like. It does my head in. Well, I, like I said, everyone was, there was a big fanfare about them coming up saying it's great to have them back and all that. I believe I did tweet at the time, everyone's going to be barely disappointed when they quickly remember they just didn't like Leeds the first time. <laughs> I've always hated uh, Leeds. Exactly. Uh, this, this ticker tape parade that's been rolled out for them once, since their return to the Premier League. I just have not bought into it one bit. I've grown up hating were... Leeds. My dad's told me to hate Leeds because he's been a Chelsea fan since he was a kid. And there was a massive Chelsea Leeds yeah. rivalry. just hated them ever since I could remember. I, mean, uh, I remember I used to, literally, I used to draw out the kits when I was a kid of whoever was playing on TV. You know, if it was like Champions League, I remember doing it. They were playing up Valencia. My dad wouldn't let me draw out the Leeds kit. <laughs> that level of pettiness has just lived on. Yeah, um, you speak to a bloke of a certain generation, they all will just like say dirty Leeds and just despise them. <laughs> like a look comes in their eyes where... I think my dad refused to speak to me once because I started singing Marching On Together. It's just like... <laughs> get it, is a great, it is a great song. <laughs> I have sung that uh, Josh Warrington fight, so there we yeah, go. It is a catchy tune. There's no getting around that. Um, 
Anything more on Leeds before we uh, move on? Carry on, sir. All right, so Spurs faced Marine yesterday. Um, what did they say it was the, the, the biggest differential in the position of teams since, since the FA Cup began, or did I mishear that? Uh, since the FA Cup began, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's pretty there we go. Spurs against Marine. Um, I think for about 10 minutes, maybe, uh, maybe thought, can Marine at least make this interesting? Went yeah. downhill pretty quickly. So the question here is, what are the other biggest mismatches that you remember seeing in sport? One of you wants to kick us off. I I I've got one. I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember uh, back in two two thousand and six. I think it was when Liverpool had obviously just won the Champions League, um, and but they didn't have their automatic qualification spot for the Champions League, and there was the big first sort of the hoo ha on uh, whether defending yeah. champions should be able to defend the title. Do you remember there? the criteria that they um, got in by in terms of the qualification match that they had to play against. Yeah, they had to play the first round. Yeah, it was like a team... I've got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they weren't yeah. from Legends. Wales. They were from, they were, they, they were from Shropshire. And they played, they, they, they played in the Kaimu Premier, Premier. So, <laughs> yeah, I, all I remember it, all, all, all I remember is it's like that, that stuck out as a as a mismatch because the level that they're on is that there's, there was this one sort of, I think it was the mum of one of the players did all the laundry for the players. And I remember the news story about, you know, Liverpool going up the champions of the champions of the uh, champions of Europe going up against this, you know, effectively looks like a small boys team on there with their mum doing the, the mother doing the laundry and stuff. That's the, probably the biggest mismatch I can remember. I think it was a three nil win for Liverpool in the end or six nil on aggregate. If it was a two leg thing, but um, there was something along those lines, but yeah, that some was the biggest mismatch I can remember. Some of the lads we had then, though, if they swapped shirts, you wouldn't have known. <laughs> and Anthony yeah. Metallic could have ended up playing for either Yeah. I remember my memory is going to be. By the way, I just need to know that Alex, his name is Alex Jones, and he can't pronounce Simru. <laughs> the Welshest name ever. He continues to disgrace himself. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you what do you say that I said to pronounce? You say Kymru. Kymru instead of Simru. My name is Alex Jones. <laughs> I thought it was Kymru, so I don't know what, what <laughs> we are. That's clear. Right, my, my one was Liverpool versus Havant and Waterlooville in 2008. Just because when you play a team called Havant and Waterlooville, it's like boring words, you just know they're low down. Like, hey, you don't know what words are a respectable organisation. <laughs> Solid pre-season friendly for you boys. Yeah, every year. <laughs> Reliable. <laughs> Um, yeah, did you see the story about what Saliba and Arsenal that came out about that Borenwood fixture? No, so he had his, his debut in that game. I remember it because it was the day I was made redundant, so there we go. Um, <laughs> saw, saw the first half, and then he scored from the halfway line. It was one of those games. Um, he, he did look unfit, um, from what I've seen, but again, I, I didn't see the game to see that there was anything particularly outrageous. but Apparently, he came off after the game and Arteta said to him, uh, yeah, you, you won't be playing this season. Um, we're gonna, we need to get you some, some more match time first after one pre-season friendly and that's 
he's obviously not played since. Great man manager. And then he's gone and just got man of the match in his first game as uh, at Nice ended the game with a goal-saving challenge. So character building, we'll, uh, we'll hope that is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll just uh, as you said about that, as uh, Boreham would. TK, if I can take you back to Danny Garcia against Rod Salka. Yeah, this this was in my mind a little bit when you said it. One where it's never good for a fight where they're talking about how quickly it's going to end rather than who's going to win, which seems to happen more and more in boxing these days. But when you saw Rod Salka get in the ring, he looked like he should have been about three divisions below, which it turns out he should have been. Uh, the biggest stage he'd fought on was in a Las Vegas casino. Um, and then he's getting in to face a uh, feared power puncher. You saw Danny Garcia setting up that check hook. I think he landed it twice, kind of half. And then the third one, uh, that was all she wrote. Um, Rod Salka didn't get back up after that. And I just remember thinking, why is someone doing this? Yeah, the oh, so wasn't it? When I thought of big mismatches, that was the uh, first one that sprung to mind. Have you still got beef with Rod Salker? Well, yeah, I tweeted saying Rod Salker must uh, have nightmares about Danny Garcia about a year later. <laughs> and he'd obviously searched his own name because he just replied saying no. <laughs> Did feel a bit bad when I saw he replied as well. Yeah, that, I, was, I was trying to think of a boxing one, and that is one that it does instantly come. I don't know why that one of all ones, but that really does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of, you know, when Klitschko kind of went for a couple of years for why are we even doing this? Why are we entertaining that? 2012, I remember he took on, I didn't, obviously I didn't watch this because you wouldn't, but I remember seeing that he was taking on Jean-Marc Mormec. In, bearing in mind, it was like 40 already and it was only known for getting beaten by Hay at Cruiserweight. So, that, that whole little run that he was on, you could have picked anyone, but that was probably the uh, the jewel in the crown. <laughs> what about Deontay Wilder against Malik Scott? Well, at least Malik Scott is normally supposed to give you... He took a, that's the one he took a dive in, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he definitely took a dive, <laughs> didn't he? Deontay against Audley, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hay Harrison was probably the go-to thing of our generation of just shouldn't have been there. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you all as well if if there was a, a particular Premier League team that regardless of how they uh, performed you kind of just looked at like you, you shouldn't be here because I had that the whole season uh, Blackpool were hanging around yeah. just looking at them like going in and I know Jack said similar with Chelsea so I think every fan does think it but Usually when a team isn't beating anyone else and you go to play them, you think, oh, we're not the one. <laughs> I didn't even get that with Blackpool. Which it was weird, just... They did have a couple of upsets, didn't they? Yeah, what... They only went down on the right. last day. Yeah, we brought... And... Uh, remember we brought Jens Lehmann back? Yeah, As a, as yeah, a free yeah. agent, we had an injury crisis and he played against them. Um, but yeah, they were ones who I just kind of looked at like, yeah, you... I think it might just be because they're Blackpool, but... My favourite Blackpool memory has to be, like you said, Tico, the last day of the season away at Old Trafford, they go up 1-0. And in true Blackpool fashion, 
They're 1-0 up on the last day of the season to stay up. They win, they stay up. And they push for a second. And they yeah. keep up for a second. Just because they just don't know how to defend. And they end up losing 2-1 or 3-1, I can't remember. And going down. Did they, have Jay, did they have Jay Spearing briefly? He was a Bolton. I don't know if... I'll tell you we're just did, confusing I'll, him as an ugly bloke with Charlie Adam. They had <laughs> Brett Ormerod and they had Gary Taylor Fletcher. And if you want to call Lacazette a pig, <laughs> Taylor Fletcher looked like he'd just come from the chippy. I, I remember... I, I remember um, about that Blackpool that season was they were, they were heralded as like the team that were playing the best football to watch that season. Was it or was it Redknapp? Was it Harry Redknapp that turned around and said, "If you want to watch, if you want to be in, like have a, an amazing game of football to watch, go and get a season ticket at Blackpool." Was that Harry Redknapp? I, I'm not sure, but, so but I'm not he, certain he might have said, but yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like yeah, so, quote. yeah, but there was so much like there was a real sort of like hype factor around them in terms of you know they were not afraid to they were that side that weren't afraid to just go at the big teams and not sit in. They were I like held in. Leeds are glamorous Blackpool. Yeah. Said this year. Yeah. So there was a lot of that going on. Bear in mind, but still on the final say of the season, they were in the relegation battle. Like I, I remember just dis- being distinctly surprised that they were one of the teams that could go down because I'd sort of got soaked up by all the hype that was around in that season. I felt like they were sort of like almost challenging for the Europa League spots the way they were talked about. But yeah, it was never really the case. I can't remember. It was the manager at the time. It was the uh, small. Yeah, oh, his, yeah he, didn't he? Didn't he get absolutely? Um, he got a fine for uh, changing eleven players or ten players for a cup game or something like that, and he really threw the toys out, toy the toys out the pram about it. Is that anybody remember that? He got fined for it in the FA Cup. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I do remember that. I think we played him in a, the the League Cup a couple of years back in. They were just a shambolic then, so it really has been a fall from grace. Um, I think last time we played them in the league, we beat we beat them six 0 And our list of scorers: um, Walcott got a hat trick. Our Shavin was on the score sheet. Abu Diaby made a rare comeback to get a goal, and Mara and Shamak rounded it off. So uh, their lineup on the day: Matthew Gilks in goal. You've got Stephen Craney, Ian Ever, Alex Baptiste, Craig Cathcart hanging around, David Vaughan, Ludovic Sylvester, and Charlie Adam in midfield, and up front, Marlon Harewood, Gary Taylor Fletcher, and Elliot, and Elliot Grandin. So, how did they go down? <laughs> Chris Basham on the bench. Yeah, half the, half the players in the squad don't even have a squad photo on the Premier League website, which <laughs> should tell you a lot. They nearly say that. They nearly did. Anything spring to mind? Anything else spring to mind as a big mismatch for you, uh, TK? Well, if you, if you want, you know, team that you, you say you like just clubs that you felt just didn't belong in the front. Yeah. Probably the only team where I thought, I don't know how you've ever got here. And, and the club, not so much because they've been in and out. But the Derby County team that did have the record <laughs> low was just, I know they had one win that year and I think it was against Newcastle, wasn't it? But I, I remember you weren't even concerned going into the game against them before. These should not be here. <laughs> and it's, I don't know whether it's because of last year that we're not having that thought yet. Because they could beat the record. I, don't, I, think, I don't know, maybe they won't. But 
with that Derby County, I've never felt it like with any other team, just every week, just write them off. Yeah, they were truly abysmal. I guess I even worse than probably cut matches is the international games with like San Marino or Gibraltar or whatever. I don't even fancy. You know, like you, there was a 1% in your mind, oh, maybe Marine could somehow do this. You don't even have that in the international games. You just write it off. You don't even bother looking. I was quite scummy earlier. I, I, I texted Evo um, after I said, uh, I know you're not very positive about the league, but at least you might get a good cut run this year. After they lost, who was it even they even lost to West Brom? They lost to Blackpool, didn't they? <laughs> I think they, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> That's brutal uh, on your part. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Did it take you two days to think of that?" <laughs> I thought you might find it funny. He said, "It's it's lockdown sixteen. It's winter, and my football team is AIDS." What possible thing would I think is funny about that? <laughs> um, before we let you go, uh, Alex and Jack, I've got um, the transfer gossip up, so um, run through the, the big ones here. Napoli have made Arsenal Scotland defender Kieran Tierney a long-term target. I can't see that happening anytime soon. Um, worth his weight in gold to us these days. Um, Everton are considering a move for Felipe Anderson it's almost like they don't learn their lesson <laughs> that would be so Everton wouldn't it yeah Everton, uh, Chelsea are unwilling to let England midfielder Ross Barkley join Villa on the cheap um, they want a big fee considering he has two and a half years left on his contract the funny thing is I'd have him over Havertz at the moment so I'd bring him back <laughs> Christ. Chelsea are desperate to get rid of Fikeo Tomori in the next month. I don't know what's happened here. Yeah, Frank hates like, him. Frank like, hates the youth. So he played with him at Derby and he won Young Player of the Season. He comes in and he's an automatic starter at Chelsea up until midway through last season. And then you just never see him again. And the one time that you have seen him this season was against Liverpool when he came on when Christiansen got injured, um, got sent off. And he actually had a half-decent game. I have no idea what's going on here. I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's mad. Inter Milan want to take Manchester United and England midfielder Jesse Lingard on loan if they can offload Christian Eriksen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what on earth? Um... PSG manager Mauricio Pochettino is keen to take Paul Pogba to Paris. Still fucks my head that. PSG manager Pochettino, I don't know, it just doesn't just doesn't add a it makes complete sense and yet it just doesn't yeah. in yeah. my mind it doesn't work. Chelsea are ready to join the chase for France defender Deo Upamecano, but that's a long list of teams, so uh I don't think you'll be getting lucky there. <laughs> West Ham's England midfielder Declan Rice would prefer to stay in London and has no interest in joining Manchester United, leaving Chelsea as his most likely destination. Like, this has gone on for so long now. Just, like, <laughs> just get it over and done with. I know it's going to happen. Just... West Ham, sorry. No, West Ham, if it's uh, January or the summer, isn't it, surely? Yeah. West Ham are preparing a 35 million bid for Watford 
and Senegal striker slash winger Ishmael Assar. And that's really about it. Um, Everton are discussing the deal for Josh King. Not at all. City aren't going to extend Fernandinho's contract. And Roy Keane wants to return to management. Yeah, I fucking bet he does. I want the best for that. <laughs> Let's get Roy Keane with Sherwood as his assistant. <laughs> My God. Going, what? Done. What are you saying, Alex? Oh, you don't want to see a man get paid. You don't want to see that. He's the biggest fraud. He's no, I don't want to see that. Roy, Roy Keane, yes, hundred percent. But that bloody idiot, Sherwood. You were going to say he's the biggest fraud in football, then, weren't you? He's one of the biggest frauds. As if Deli Ali doesn't exist. Deli Ali does exist, and at the moment, he is a bit of a fraud. He found his level last night, didn't he? I wouldn't say it's his level. I'd say well, it's his, it's his level for his attitude. Uh, but even that's a bit of even that's being uh, kind. I quite like that. Apparently, Poch wants to take him to uh, PSG. Although seeing the headline, um, Poch says he's interested in all the best players in the world after links with Lionel Messi and Deli Ali <laughs> threw me off. Yeah, that didn't quite add up. So there we go. Just the Super Bowl left uh, to talk about for me and TK. Alex, no as always. No movie yeah, I'm, about, I'm about to ask you. Oh, I was waiting for that. Yeah. Um, this week, Dread against Terminator 2. Oh, it's an easy win for me, really. Go on then, Jack. No. Well, he's, he's, on the podcast. he's on the pod. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, He's just not that memorable. <laughs> wow. um, it, for me, for oh, me, uh, it, right in the feelings. <laughs> there was a was, that as well. Yeah, that, that was for slandering me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I dread. Uh, I will say Terminator Two is the is the better film, but Dread takes it for me because it won me over with the fact that it was like kind of like went under the radar. Deserved more hype. Was actually really, really good. Bit of Carla, but Kyle is it Kyle or Carl? Carl, 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 Carl Urban. Yeah. It, it was like. Don't I, worry I think about it, pronunciation now, Alex. We've come too far. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I know his name. His first name just went from my head for a second. Then, um, but it deserved a lot more. It deserved a lot more praise. Than what it got, and it delivered a lot, deserved a lot more success than what it got. I would have been, would have liked to have seen a sequel to it, but yeah, dread, dread takes it for me. Second week in a row with uh, Lena Headey as well. After we did 300 last week, we did get a comment um, uh, yesterday on um, last week's pod saying they would like to see Sean fight a pig at Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that the pig takes that. But I'm a little bit worried at Which what they one? might actually. It's not. It's not the. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, oh God, I wasn't going to say what I was just about to say then. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Black, Black we'll, Mirror is coming to mind. <laughs> we'll bid you farewell, and me and TK will talk some NFL before we close things out. 
Adios. Adios. There we go. All right. If you've got anything you want to get off your chest about Jack or uh, Alex, I promise I'll cut it out. <laughs> you ain't catching me out with that one. Not after last time. <laughs> All right. On to the Super Bowl then. So we had a, a stacked schedule this weekend. We had uh, the disappointment of the Seahawks against the Rams, which was one of the most depressing games I think I've ever seen mainly because I had such high hopes and then it just it just wasn't that. It was just sloppy. Um, we had the Ravens beat the Titans. We had the Bucks beat... Washington football team. Washington. Um, we had the Saints beat the Bears and we had the Browns beat the Steelers. So we had a big, we had a big weekend of action. Yeah, sorry. There was too much uh, to get into with that in the FA Cup as well. That feels like um, ages ago as well for some reason. The Bills game, the, the one yeah. that won. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's a it's a miracle really that we didn't do our standard. How can we bring more excitement to the FA Cup? But I thought after five times of doing it, they're clearly not listening. So <laughs> we can save our breath. Um, I'll, I'll get straight into it. Who, who's uh, who are you picking to get to the Super Bowl? Before I ask for your winner, I agonised over this a little bit. Um, in terms of, it, it does depend on matchups. For example, I feel like the Packers could beat the Saints to get to the Super Bowl, but if they end up playing the Bucks, I would be very concerned. Having seen what I saw in the regular season, not saying it would be a blowout again, but that would concern me hugely. Um, but the Bucks giving up the points they did to Washington, who didn't have Alex Smith, leads ah. me to think the Saints might well get past them. In which case, I'm going to very cautiously pick the Packers to get to the Super Bowl on the one half. Yep. And to be honest, I like what I saw from the Ravens. I think they could cause the Chiefs a lot of problems. I'm assuming the Chiefs are going to uh, annihilate the Browns. <laughs> and I wasn't overly convinced by the Bills. So I think the Ravens will beat the Bills. Ravens-Chiefs is great. I'll go with the Chiefs and Mahomes, and then I think, if you want a Super Bowl prediction, I think they'd blow out the Packers as well. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my uh, my run. I'll have to just about lean with the Chiefs getting there. But I think them and Ravens is a tough, tough tie. I hope we get the fun matchups that we're hoping for, because... Um... We all, not you included, got excited for... Um... And our Classico Champions League final a few a few years back, and then ended up with uh, <laughs> Liverpool doing the job instead. Then we didn't quite get that. But there's always something um, that's in the way of an El Clasico final. There's always yeah, um, yeah. You're right. There. I was going to go way back. Um, I'm I'm in agreement with you, um, and I didn't quite break it down as uh, complex as you did. The highest scoring season um, of all time this has been so far and so I'll go for the the best offence in football by points scored and that's the Packers against uh, probably the best quarterback in the sport currently in uh, Mahomes so it's hard to pick against 
the Chiefs are, are, are agreeing. I, I fear it could be a case of uh, it's the hope that kills you when it, if it does get there. Um, I mean, look, I think if you're a neutral, that that would be the best game. I think that would be the yeah. one you'd hope for as a Super Bowl. We are obviously in no way neutral and would probably be uh, left in tears if Mahomes does <laughs> run through the package, as seems likely. But I think there's some interesting matches before you get there, which is good. Well, the Chiefs, even they do look beatable this year. They don't look as invincible as um, they have done, but you will back them, obviously, to turn up. That's also kind when of they part of magic to. with them, is that they seem to, whether it's complacency or what, but they seem to go down to you know, uh, you know, the final score every time. They always beat them by yeah. like one score. It's never uh, they can blow a team out, but they seem to just wait and wait and bank on the offense is going to get them out of trouble. So we, we well, say it all the time in football over here that you can only sort of come back so many times. Yeah, and it's a similar thing with them. You can only, I think, get away with that so many times. I wouldn't if you went away. Um, if you were behind the Ravens, for example, I wouldn't want to have to be chasing them. The the, the Bucks game on Saturday was horrible because um, they kept teasing that Washington might get back into it. And then they'd yeah. instantly just throw a pass for like 60 yards. And they were oh. similar. The Bears actually were similar against the Saints until, until the fourth quarter. Um I think it'll be Saints against Packers in the NFC Championship game. I'm weirdly confident against the Rams, um, probably more confident than I should be. But the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing, really tough to bet against him at all. And yeah, probably I've... if we were neutral, then we'd say it's impossible to bet against him at the moment. Yeah, I think... When you look at those games, you look at Tigers and Chiefs and think they'll beat the Rams and the Browns and, and the other two games are the, the games of interest. The Saints and the Bucks and the Bills and yeah. the Ravens are the, are the pick on ones. That's been That's reflected one in the schedule as well, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. The um, That's one of those ones of the Rams, though, where midway through the game you think, why did I think the Packers would make this easy? Apart from the fact they don't make any game easy. Yeah. The Rams is obviously a, a tricky game anyway. They showed what they could do against Seattle, but defence is tough so I think you'll probably find out a bit about Pack as well because there was a feeling in the regular season that they had the finesse but they could get roughed up so I don't think as much, as good as the Packers have been I don't think they've had to answer that question too many times I know no. someone might point towards the Titans for example as maybe an example of lessons learned but we'll probably get a little bit more info on that as well out of that game it's, it's interesting, as you said, with the matchups, because obviously you've got the Packers that were blown out by the Bucks, but then you've got the Bucks that have been blown out twice now by the Saints. So, hmm. exactly. really could that's, go either way. That's what's, that is what's swaying me is that I think, you know, we think in your head that the Saints probably are better overall than the Bucks. But it's just, when you watched, I only saw a bit of the game with Washington, but when you watch Brady, it's just horrible to back against him in the playoffs you just think yeah. it doesn't really matter what the situation you just think he'll find a way out yeah agreed and if he doesn't the officials will get it for him <laughs> well there we go I was um, impressed with uh, with Lamar and the Ravens though I just thought they do have something that the rest of the teams don't have where they can just run through you whenever they sort of switch it up they can run through you at will left, that, left I do think for the Chiefs and Packers that is a huge problem against either of those 
there's so many teams left that I love watching play. I love watching Lamar and the Ravens. I love watching my man Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Chiefs are the Chiefs, obviously. Aaron Rodgers, there's no one better to watch. And uh, look, the, the Bills are great to watch as well because Allen will either do something impossibly good or impossibly bad. He does yeah, have that. I, I regretted having money on him making it simple on Saturday. I'm still quite fuming about that. But then, not good for the blood pressure. Every other team did the opposite of what I wanted them to do as well. So <laughs> I shouldn't complain too much. The Seahawks must have killed a lot of bets. Yeah. Because they were dismal. Yeah. They said Pete Carroll was speechless after the game when they tried doing interviews. Like He was like, I genuinely just could not see this coming. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame him. I was just crazily naive and inexperienced, considering they are an experienced team with what they've done. There's only so many times you can hit a quarterback and he's going to keep getting up and playing the exact same way. Yeah, and he's taking a beat down this season. It's going to be interesting with him, isn't it? Because obviously, the first half of the season, he's kind of runaway MVP. Yeah. But then the drop off has been so much that he's not even obviously in contention. No. Which is that just, you know, because he's not like it's not like he's old. So is it just that, has, is he getting hit too much? What is it? It's a. Well, they've neglected situation. that offensive line for years now because, like, you, you see where teams should invest, but. They get by just about by doing enough. So, you know, oh, we'll, we'll let it slide. We'll be all right. And yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. his own worst enemy there. So, yeah, for sure. But that should just about do us for this week. Um, as I said, we're back with Movie Madness on Thursday, and then we're back with another pod next Monday. So, thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>